Today is October 5th, 2022. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki nagana go mekoche chestokom aki or de goats nagotine siku. Hi, my name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson and I use she and her pronouns. I'm here speaking to you on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed Canadian-U.S. border are the Blackfeet, and north of the border are Siska, Gunai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are Treaty 7, signed September 22, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Wesley Chiniki and Bearspawn Nations of the Stony, and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nations, Métis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous people are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. As it is Pride Month, it's important to understand the straight agenda and gendered violence was and is continuing on this land by Christian outsiders. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space, as well as honoring the Indigenous hosts and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner in a so-called time of reconciliation. <laughs> it's important land acknowledgements have meaning. I encourage all to introduce themselves with the acknowledgement of their ancestors, their stories of displacement, how you perceive your role as a treaty partner, a citizen of Canada, a refugee, or any other land displacement, so we as Indigenous people know how safe you are to be around. If you don't know how to pronounce your local Indigenous nations' names, and you won't say your pronouns, won't say your story of origin, won't acknowledge stolen lands, won't acknowledge economic oppression that was imposed by the government, or your role in reconciliation or treaty partnering, I just determine how safe you are to be around for my community, myself, and my family. Understanding land acknowledgements and their importance is Indigenous 101, because it immediately addresses colonialism, oppression dynamics, broken treaties, and lies taught today in Canadian schools nationally. That's why settlers and those who call themselves native Calgarians, or whatever town you might be from, show me you have no Indigenous 101 understanding. Um, I also really think that Jesse Winty's book on Reconciled on uh, chapter 13 and also pages 180 to 181 kind of explain a lot of this a lot better if you really want somebody else's voice. And especially if you respect men more than you respect women, then definitely get that book. Um, because, it, you know, again, that's bias and most people don't want to address that they have bias against Indigenous women. Anyway. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Great Bear Lake tribe in Treaty 11. My people wore rabbit skin, so it's been referred to the land of the hair people. Uh, I'm a native of Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Kincho Tene Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning big, many big dog town, named after the Calgary Stampede. I was born in Calgary or in Blackfoot, Mokinstis as Michelle Elliott, an English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Dene. Through my father, I am a daughter of the Mayflower, a daughter of the American Revolution, and I have a Canadian Indian Act imposed status card, which is a colonial construct by Canadian policies meant to divide Indigenous peoples' inherent rights. Indigenous Two-Spirit or the Indigenous 2SLGBTQ2 plus community and Indigenous women are at the bottom of the Canadian socio-economic ladder because of colonial trauma, imposed poverty, racism, gendered violence, and land theft. As a Dene woman who attempted to run after joining harmful colonial parties, spent money to be at expensive conventions, left my home to travel to those conventions, just to vote on incomplete policies that still allow for incarceration and denial of justice and denial of health services, racism, colonial trauma, and genocide of Indigenous and Black peoples. I have work to continue, reports to advocate for, and attempt to work within these systems meant to harm me and my community. I can't say, you know, have a great long weekend, when the reason why we're having a, a long weekend is literally because my community had to have you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of children die. And those who did come back were changed forever. I know my community is dying from the current drug policies and systems imposed by Christian-based drug policies, abstinence program, and private health care and justice systems built on racism, land theft, and imposed British constructs that continue genocide on Indigenous peoples. 
Uh, right now in the news, we've seen a lot of the um, Sisters in Spirit vigils and, you know, the in Manitoba, they're dismantling uh, teepees that were set up after the chief of police had the audacity to wear an orange shirt and show up there. You know, to me, we have to understand every single time we speak about Indigenous issues, we, we have to honour people's lives. I hope you see your role in the importance of stopping harm as a citizen and see your role in reconciliation and as a treaty partner. I honor the Blackfoot and the elders as the members have been so kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Blackfoot and Leonard Kenny taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Satu Dene. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot and Dene elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I get a kick out of uh, Michael Myers. He always made this joke in this uh, one movie and it was like, you put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. And uh, a lot of the Northern um, Dene teachers, they always say, you Southerners, you don't pronounce these words right. You have to put more emphasis over here. <laughs> so anyway, any mistakes and misinterpretations in general, not just be not language, but beyond that, um, you know, will be on me. I encourage questions so that it can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, just like Justin Trudeau doesn't speak on behalf of all Canadians or the Premier doesn't speak on behalf of all Albertans. I just share what I know as I walk down my red road. I've also been accused of not being kind enough while surviving genocide, yet I give free book clubs, podcasts, and info on my social media, have for years, as have many others. At this point, it is willful to be ignorant on these issues. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you, previous donors, for already showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or your questions. Also, giving a review helps whatever medium you're listening from. I have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe and you can go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. So today I am super excited to have a guest because guests are always better than just me talking. So would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Valentina Fenton. I am Cree from the Treaty 8 territory and I res uh, reside on Treaty 7 territory just west of Calgary. Um, my pronouns are she, her. My dad is Cree from the area of the John Doerr uh, Little Red River, really northern Alberta. His name is Malcolm Gladue, and my mom is Murray Gladue. She was, she is, <laughs> Mohawk, uh, Cree, Cree, and uh, half French. So they're both. Uh, you wouldn't say fluent, but they both speak Cree fluently. I mean, I've heard that you can't ever speak for Cree fluently. Uh, but anyway, they've spoken it their whole lives. So um, that's a little backstory that they know their culture. And I am 43 and I'm just reconnect, like I'm just learning it. Mm. And I wouldn't say reconnecting because that connection was cut off due to the residential schools. So reconnection to my ancestors uh, or connection beginning, however you want to see it. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. It's hard because like my, my granny, she can speak uh, fluent Dene, but um, my mom never learned it. And, um, you know, it, it's because of residential schools and colonialism. I don't think that my mom will ever put effort towards that. I mean, she's retired now. So and, and it's hard when you're older. Like I'm just like, I knew a couple words growing up. And I'm trying to add more words to my vocabulary. And it's tricky. It's, you know, it's, I, if I, I can read it because I did take a Cree 101 in university, so I can read it. Does that make sense? But I don't know it. And I can have like, because I heard it my whole life, I can like, I have the tone. I, and people say, wow, when you read that, it sounds like, you know what you're saying. And I'm like, I know it's funny, but I don't. Yeah. <laughs> and no. it's, it's really like, it's really frustrating and angering because because my dad told me my whole life, 
well, we didn't teach you because we wanted you to do well in school. And I'd never wanted, and he always put education first, which is nice because that's how we get ahead in this, you know, uh, colonial, uh, colonist world. But, um, but on the other hand, it's like, well, now science says you should know, you should, you know, you're smarter. You're, you know, if you know two languages, but he didn't know because at a young age, he was taught Cree is bad. Don't teach your kids, you know, don't teach your kids um, about medicines. Like I watched him, but he never taught me, which is so, and like, like he did it honestly. That's what he believed. Like that's what he was told to believe. But now that I'm 43 and um, they answer all my questions and they help me if I have like an ailment and I'm like, hey, is there a tea? Then they'll send me some some medicine teas and such. But anyway, it's a uh, love too. Hey, oh, I love it when that happens. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so they can speak Cree and I can't yet. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to in my life. Um, I've learned a few words here and there too, but I, I don't know the cadence enough to grasp it. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's so insulting that, you know, we couldn't have that opportunity, uh, but we have to survive this economic world now. So where is the priority, obviously, you know, trying to survive that. So, um, you know, and on, you reached out to me and talked to me a bit about your business. Do you want to share your business with folks here? So part of the connection with my culture um, was to learn how to bead, to learn like what we used to do. So bead, make moccasins, um, tan hide. So that was one of the cool things with my dad. Uh, this summer, we started tanning a deer hide together. So I'm on like the second last step because it is time consuming and we're both learning, but it's so cool because he's uh, turning 83 in a couple of weeks. So he was like really excited to like, you know, try this new thing with me. And that was, it, it was a lot of fun. So I'm, uh, he lives Northeast of Edmonton. So I just keep him in the loop, like, okay, now I'm going to start scraping it. You know, like I'll tell him the steps now. And so it's exciting and I'm sure we'll do another hide next summer together. But the funny thing is, so, okay, so I'll talk about the business, I guess, first. <laughs> so we started beating. So it's my two teen daughters and I. Uh, my Shelby will be 16. Hannah will is 14. So we started this little company, not even to make money. It was during the pandemic. It's all self-taught. The main idea was for me to learn how to bead because back to that connecting, learn how to be, learn how to make moccasins so I can pass that on to them. And so what I, so I started that. And then as I was learning to bead uh, via YouTube videos, so thank you to all those YouTube creators who put these out. Um, I was, I was beading and I thought, I wonder if I can sell some of these and like donate money. You know what I mean? Like just so, so we started, so I started that. So I started selling and uh, like at, uh, at markets such as Authentically Indigenous Market was my first market. And so we started uh, generating some donation money. We donate to um, organizations that are grassroots because I used to fundraise for the neonatal intensive care unit in Calgary. Mm. And I find that grassroots, I like how it's directly from me to them. You know, like there's no overhead costs there. It's all volunteer, whatever um, charity we share with, it's we try to do it like no overhead cost at all, if possible, because I don't have, I don't make a lot of money, you know? So it's like, I really wanted to go far. Yeah. So we started doing that. And then you seen my, uh, me talking about the orange t-shirts. Mm. So the Every Child Matters t-shirts. So what happened there was it was like coming up in September, uh, late August. And I was, it was kind of in my mind, maybe I should. And I wasn't sure because I don't make t-shirts. I don't know how. I didn't know how. And then a friend uh, randomly texted me, hey, uh, Fenton Gals Beating should sell some orange t-shirts. And so 
I was like, I was thinking that. And literally the next day, another friend on Instagram had posted that there was a non-Indigenous woman in my community creating, and it looked like she was kind of just copy pasting, which I'm like, oh, so wrong. So many were so wrong in so many ways. Um, And I was like, well, how about I make some t-shirts and then people just have more opportunity to support Indigenous artists. And, um, and I try and take that back. So a lot of the things like back in the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm going to take that back. Do you know what I mean? Like moccasin making, I'm going to help take that back. Like, yeah. So that's how, uh, and then with the Every Child Matter t-shirts, we sold. So I had to buy the equipment. So I put up the seed money to buy the equipment in the hopes that some people would support this so I can, you know, at least cover costs. And then, um, so I made a design, my daughters and I, uh, they helped uh, a little bit, they're in school. So, you know, they helped as much as they could. And so we, we ordered the shirts, we bought the, the cricket, made our design, uh, delivered them. Uh, there's one youth program in Cal- in Calgary, Cochrane, uh, Minitini area, Zutina. It's called Cousin Skateboarding. And their youth program is they visit uh, rural communities and give the kid with a portable skateboard, skate park. So that's pretty cool. So they set up a little skate park. Then they have a safe place for these kids to come. If the kids don't have a skateboard, eventually Cousins uh, gets donations from other skateboarding stores and they'll gift them a skateboard and the helmet. And then they did a shoe drive last September 30th. And so they had uh, skateboard shoes like Vans. Vans had donated. And so they're giving these kids like something else, something fun to focus on. And so what our intention with the Every Child Matter t-shirts was to help the people that are directly affected by the residential schools. Um, so it was like to help with the youth program or to buy books. So not only for education, but so these children know I'm not alone. Oh, this is why this happen is happening in my life, like the intergenerational trauma. Um, just basically so they're not alone because I didn't know this stuff growing up. You know, we weren't taught it. We, no one talked about it. My dad barely talked about it. He's a survivor. My mom was a day, is a day school survivor. She didn't talk about it. And it honestly isn't until this past year that my dad is starting to process what happened to him. Like he just said to my mom the other week, hey, I know why I don't like to hear kids cry because I had to hear them cry every night. And we didn't know that growing up, like he didn't like to hear my kids cry and he'd wanna take them out of their car seat while we're on the highway. And I'm like, that can't happen. <laughs> I was like, no, that like, he, you're just gonna have to hear him cry. But now I know like why he's like, just take the baby out, I'll carry the baby. I, I don't wanna hear the baby cry. And I'm like, well, that's unsafe dad. So we can't do that. But now I'm like, oh my God. So, um. So yeah, that the orange t-shirts is to help. Uh, we gifted an elder um, a tablet because they live in a rural community with no cable or anything. So we gifted them a tablet. Um, we're gifting because um, a lot of us believe a turtle island, like there's no actual boundaries, right? Like that's that wasn't made from us. So helps uh, places in the States so there's a, uh, a youth detention center in Washington that gets very little uh, funding. It's a very conservative area, I'm told. But there's an indigenous young man in there who loves to read. And he has a he likes this uh, one book and he says he connects with it because he told the librarian he connects with it because it's about indigenous men who are also in jail. And I was like, that's cool. I'm glad he has some connection, but let's have him connect with the beautiful parts of being Indigenous, like his culture, uh, where we come from, the history of some of our leaders. And so he can have other ways to connect. Rather I, than... I want to give you now that you said that it's called He Who Dances. And it was 
the scholastics out of all places. And it was literally about a young indigenous boy trying to reconnect to who he was. And he found some kind of dance area and he learned how to dance. And, um, you know, my daughter felt really connected to it because, yeah, I I hate the terminology we've been given. And, you know, like when you're half or whatever, right? Like you don't feel So anyway, she, because it was a half breed kid, she felt really connected to it too. you know, I, I should give you that book to give to him because it was, it's a great book. And she loved it so much. She made me read it and then yep. she wanted her dad to read it. And I don't know if he ever did, but I don't know if he ever will. So I might as well just give it to him. Oh, that's so <laughs> nice. Thank you. Yeah, he would, like, we're just, we just did the book drive for the whole, um, the whole detention center, not through me, through another organization. That's and so called the Imagine Society. And uh, that's teen led. So that's the coolest part is teen led and they're open. They help like, so that's like an umbrella and it's all teen led volunteers. And so we, we share our funds with them. And so that's how we got connected to this young man. And I was like, I talked to my husband who's a Scottish uh, descent and he said, yeah, absolutely. Cause I was like, let's donate a book a month. Like every month, let's donate a book for him. And he's like, 100% like you know like yeah let's do that because I was like I'm going to spoil this child I don't know him (laughs) but he's going to know that he is not alone and he you know he has people thinking of him so um and I I guess that would be my intergenerational trauma healing that's how I see it some people say it as like oh that's from your trauma I'm like it's also from my healing you know like I I look at it that way like I'm on a healing journey I'm not uh I'm not sympathetic even to myself but I'm very empathetic so yeah anyway so we started this business in the hopes of uh, connecting with our indigenous roots and sharing our beautiful culture with people and giving them the opportunity to uh, support indigenous artists and to learn about our culture what is with your a- called and where, where do we find it oh okay so it's called Fenton Gals Beading and we have an Instagram page um, and a Facebook page. And I'm, I'm like, my personal is on Twitter and that's how we connected. Um, but the Fenton Gals Beating on Instagram and Facebook is really a non-political place because how I see it is um, it's a sacred place to me. Mm-hmm. It's where I talk about my cookum and my dad. So I'm not only speaking for myself. So... I just like, but if you're, if you see me on Twitter, like I get pretty fired up because that's my page, but I like on Fenton gals beating, I'm like, I'm carrying my cook'em spirit on there and my dad and my mom. And so I don't, you know, I, I just keep it not light, but I keep it about what I feel is safe for that page. I totally get that. I'm really protective about uh, culture because, uh, you know, they've stolen so much from us. And the last thing I want is somebody else to profit because they heard on native Calgarian how to do something or other. And I'm not, so I'm, I know what you mean about being really protective about how you portray that because like you can hear it already, the responsibility uh, to protect, you know, your family, your community, our culture and I, I just don't think non-Indigenous can understand the gravity of that sometimes. And, uh, you know, I, I'm really glad you're connecting. I'm really glad you're doing this work. And then I didn't even know all that about the um, kid in the States and the um, skateboarding thing. And I remember growing up in Sylvan Lake and Sylvan Lake's predominantly white. It was at least when I was growing up there. And, um, you know, they didn't want those those young kids getting in trouble, but we had nothing. And yeah. uh, we had to really fight for a, a little skateboard park. Um, they literally put it beside the RCMP station. That was where they put it. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, wow, hey, like, whatever. Yeah. Or we are just going to skateboard, so go ahead and watch us. Like, yeah, yeah. Geez. So, you know, and, and I'm not that brave. Like, I'm not that person. Um, and I, I'm 45, so we're really similar in age. And when mm-hmm. I was growing up, um, you know, girls weren't encouraged to do anything in Sylvan Lake at all. Like even my dad didn't want me playing hockey, even though it was the only thing to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that bigger picture of, uh, 
you know, that kind of stuff wasn't really encouraged. So um, for me, I, I didn't really do anything like that, but I, I've tried to advocate for, you know, things for youth to do because mm -hmm. we'd only go to the arcade and watch each other play or, or pool, you know, play yeah. there's not even an arcade to go to anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So no, the, that was the neat thing about cousins is that it's a safe space for anybody, whether indigenous or non-indigenous, it's just that they happen to go to indigenous communities. Right. But I know like one of my supporters is uh shreds in Cochrane. That's where he, he sold some of the shirts that went to that program. That's so crazy. he, he was really nice. And he's like, yeah, I'll sell some of your shirts, you know, like if you let me, and it was so nice. Like he acknowledged, if you let me, he's like, I'm just a white guy is what he said. Like that's quote unquote. So yeah, I was no, like, oh, I, I feel that. It's good. Yeah, he's like, I don't like, he wasn't like, oh, I, like not afraid to do it in the sense of because he doesn't believe in it, but more of like, sure, I'll help as much as I can. You know what I mean? Like he was open, really open to the idea of right. selling shirts for us. And he was so impressed. Uh, he sold out of the shirts in a day. He's like, in about a day, we sold the shirts and he al had already invited us back for next year. And he's like, maybe you can have more shirts. <laughs> I was that like, maybe I'm not a t-shirt maker. That would be amazing. Cause like, it, you know, I couldn't believe how many people last minute were texting me. Where do I get an orange shirt? I'm like, you've been following me on my fucking social media this long and you don't know. I'm sorry, but what in the actual, because yeah. I share get on resources. it. Yeah. And even for you, like if I were to miss a post, like I'd feel bad. I'd actually want to like, you know, message me, let me know so I can, I can promote it. But it looks like you didn't need any help there because they just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was nice. Well, it was funny because uh, I did have someone on Twitter reach out and then they were late and I'm like, well, they, they kept, they ghosted me for a day and a half the week of. And I was like, sorry, like I, after I had planned our meeting and I didn't hear from you, I sold them because like any small business, like you wouldn't do that to anyone else. Nope. So like, I can't, I can't have, like, if I'm going to like, I'm trying to sell the t-shirts to generate money to do to share. So I'm going to do that. Where, yep. However it takes, you know, like you had your chance. Susie lose as they say but it was good it was a really good turnout uh, we raised nearly a thousand dollars and yeah so we're gonna save some of the money for Christmas time of course because that's always a high need time and I really like coming from my background I was a latchkey kid um youngest of seven by the time I was nine I was an aunt so my parents had a lot of children and they never closed the door to anybody you know like we always had my older siblings their friends over or like they would call my mom mom um and so anyway so I kind of got lost in the shuffle a lot latchkey kid sure. grade two coming home alone with my brother Rob who's like 22 months older than me <laughs> so we're really young and uh resilient as they say so it was uh now I don't want kids to feel that way I want my kids like I I'm home all the time with my kids and we put them in sports and we spend a lot of time with them and yeah. um you know all the feelings is nice for them in a way I kind of smother them but it's kind of nice for them because I'm like I know how it feels and I don't want you to feel that way so I I think I sometimes do spoil them but well you know what honestly I think that's intergenerational healing too because you know, I feel like sometimes our ancestors talk through us and mm -hmm. they get an extra kiss because, you know, great grandma wanted to give them then the big deal, uh, you know, so I, I just don't even think that it's, uh, I don't Ooh. like the concept of spoiling a child. We don't, you know, it's, um, we give them love. We're supposed to give them unconditional love, right? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and then the nice thing about sharing our money is that my kids, because we give them the organized sports and they have the skateboards, like we, the girls take skateboard camp. Nice. So um, because they get these opportunities, we also want them to see that and to help the ones who just need a hand and don't get those opportunities. Like I bought toys for a, a food shelter in New York City and to hand out and um my five-year-old said why do you have a spider-man 
and I explained there's an, uh, I was visiting two weeks ago and my teens and I went and helped at this food bank to hand out food. And I said, there's a little boy your age. And I explained the boy and he's very sweet. And then I, my five-year-old said, why are you giving toys at a food bank? And I was like, well, they don't have money for toys. So the money goes, if they have any, to food. Anyway, I said, but you don't need any, right? Because like, I want them to also understand, like, I'm not taking from you. No. He's like, no, I already have two. Yeah. And I was like, there you go. Good. As long as you know that this new toy you're not getting that you see in the truck, but you already have two. So that's fine. Good. So yeah. it's all just trying to heal these kids from what happened to us. Yep. I think so. And um, if we give them a good foundation, a good base of love, we've healed from that, um, you know, literal hate that our mm -hmm. grandparents and, and parents had to go through. So to me, and that we go through. That you're right so <laughs> it's like uh, yeah so <laughs> so the connection with my my beadwork was really neat because my husband is a team roper oh. and he has so he's learned horse skills his whole life from his family yeah and so but I never had that and so when I started beading I bead straight onto the moose hide mm -hmm. um I don't use felt yet I might someday but I don't use the felt yeah. I use I go straight onto the moose hide and that's after I started beading, my parents told me your cookum used to bead. So my dad's dad used to, be, uh, my dad's mom used to bead. And so again, I have no idea how long it should take to bead anything. And so on Facebook, I'm like, hey, I started this moccasins. Hey, I'm done the moccasins. And then my friend who uh, is Dene, is, she said, that's really quick. And I was like, oh, is that? Because I'm like, I have no idea. I was like, that's cool. And then one day I was making moccasins for an order. And uh, and so I had this flower and I had plans in my head to put leaves on it. And at the last second, I was like, you know what? I'm going to have seeds coming out of the middle. So you have like the petals and then the, in the middle and then seeds coming out. And I was like, yeah. So I made it that way. And I always send my parents photos. And my dad said to my mom, just like my mom used to make. And I was like, really? And she, they're like, yeah, that's the flowers. And I was like, that's so funny because it was not in my head. It was not a plan right up until literally I had the beads on. And I was like, wait a sec, let's try this. And so um, in our culture, we know our ancestors are with us all the time. And I like, that's just to me, my cook, I'm saying, hey, I'm with you. And I'm giving you my ideas and it was a beautiful flower. And it was, yeah, so I know. And there are other stories of her um, that I don't want to share uh, uh, globally because they're a little too special to me. Um, so, yeah, so I know she's she's with me when I be and I welcome her. It's really it's really fun to know that I do have something um, that I got from my family you know um when i learned how to ribbon skirt uh, make and uh even some of the beading and every teaching i've ever heard when it comes to us doing this is that you smudge mm -hmm. while you do it and yeah. um and it's so clear why because we're we're actually like hanging out with our ancestors even though we think we're sitting there by ourselves beating or whatever it is we're doing we're actually yeah. just hanging out with our ancestors too <laughs> and it's kind of fun because sometimes I do I'll like hit a wall and I'm like okay cook them you want to give me like some ideas here because I have no idea how to do this like uh, I need help and then another cool thing I I feel like this is like pretty solid story uh so my dad has the tools my cook them used to flush with so you know we have certain tools when we tan hides and one is called a flusher yep. and he has hers so she passed away 20 years ago ish and so these tools are old yeah. right they're like 60 years old at least yeah. and so my mom sent them to me through Canada Post <laughs> and so she had them wrapped <laughs> yeah I know right so they really wanted me to have these tools and so I she wrapped them all up and then she sent some dry meat, which is amazing. So, Love. <laughs> so she, yeah. So she had them all wrapped up nice in a box. 
And she sent them on a Friday. And any of us who have sent stuff with Canada Post, they're not the quickest or really sometimes the safest. But anyway, she had tracking on them. I got them. So she sent them Friday afternoon, uh, northeast of Edmonton. I got them Monday. Oh, that's great. So I was like, when did you send them? She's like, on Friday afternoon. I was like, I got them. So I was like, you cannot tell me that my cookum was not there, t- like moving these things along. She's like, dude, I can't believe you just counted the post. Oh my goodness. Now I have to help you get these safely. So, <laughs> yeah. so within like a few days, uh, I had the, I had the tools like from Monday weekend and then I had them. Yeah. It's right crazy. Oh, that's such great. That's a great story. I love that story so much. I, uh, yeah, I, I, um, the, my granny, she used to be like moccasins and stuff for me, but my parents had a brutal, disgusting, awful divorce and anything that was even somewhat indigenous kind of got tossed. So Mm. yeah, it sucked, but I, ironically, because they had such a bitter divorce, it's not like they weren't in my life. In fact, the opposite, I was really lucky. I had a, an auntie who was like, she fought hard for me to get my status back after my mom married my dad, all these things. So like, I've been really lucky to always have them in my life. Yeah. Um, but I never learned how to bead from my granny. And uh, she recently was diagnosed with terminal cancer. So um, my my little, little one's taking are pretty tough because it's not just about losing her, it's losing culture that mm-hmm. she never got to spend more time with her, all that stuff too. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, um, it's uh, a really, really important things to know, but I, I do know like in my heart that she'll be talking to me when she passes. So mm-hmm. like, I'm not really, um, like, like I'm, I'm sad for her. I don't want to lose her. And yeah. then, but I know I don't want to, you know, be so upset in mourning that she doesn't pass over the way she meant to. So, yeah, and it's also goes uh, the Cree for sure don't have a goodbye. Yeah, in our language, we have a like a see you. Like, there's no goodbye yeah. because we know we just pass over. So, anyway, yeah. So it was that was really neat. And then let your daughter know I know Valentina Fenton. She learned from YouTube. There's a man named Ali Yaput. And he's a Cree from Ontario. And that's who, because there's many styles of the moccasins. And so, but he did a YouTube tutorial um, from like the kind my people were. Yeah. So that's what I wanted. So, and he does a great job. And even in the videos, he's like, I don't want to do this, but you guys asked me. So here I go. And so, and he also like, yeah. So I give him a shout out all the time whenever I do social media. All right. Well, I am going to grab um, all the links from you that you want me to promote. And is there anything else you'd like to add for tonight? Um, how much time you got? No, just <laughs> I wanted to quick, quick touch on um, culture appropriation. Sure. Okay. So culture appropriation, what is culture appropriation? Many people have opinions and ideas and it kind of it's a little fluid, but the bottom line is if it's indigenous, uh, if it comes from indigenous people and an indigenous person or company did not make it, that is called culture appropriation. So uh, recently I noticed on one of my email spams, I never uh, paid attention to this company. I don't know how they got my email address, but uh, the title was come meet your tribe, come find your tribe at our wellness convention and I'm the tribe right so I looked and I was like huh so I opened it up and and you know come meet come come to our convention basically come meet people but they use the word tribe and that carries a lot for indigenous people so I I looked onto their website and there is a non-indigenous looking woman in front of a teepee and so we know like through our, you know, some people come out different c- colors. My son is very pale with green eyes, but he's Cree. So I was like, so I emailed her quick and I said, hi, uh, my name is Valentina Fenton. I am Cree from the Treaty 8 territory. Um, I was curious to know if you were indigenous. Thanks for your time, Valentina Fenton. 
uh, reply was almost immediate. No salutation, no hi, just no, I am not indigenous. And then like their name stamp. And I was like, okay, so now you know, I'm getting the vibes that you know you're doing something wrong if all you're saying is, no, I'm not indigenous. And I just said, okay, well, uh, you're culture appropriating using like the jargon tribe. Your photo is in front of you uh, of a teepee. Um, our culture is not a marketing gimmick. We do not appreciate it. Please stop it. Um, good luck on your new perspective. And so my idea why I call people out um, when I see the when I see them is because I'm like uh, my ancestors, not even really ancestors. That sounds like a really old term, like twenty, like you know, my great great grandma, great 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 cookum. I'm talking my dad. My dad survived genocide yep. attempts. Yep. So it's like no, no, because. He couldn't be indigenous. So now you're going to try and use this beautiful culture without dealing with the messy part. Cause there's a lot of stuff we're trying to fix now. Yep. Um, and you want to use that to sell your convention. Yep. And I was like, no, not on my watch. I'm going to let you know it's wrong. Now, you know, now it's your turn to go educate yourself. You know, better. You yep. can no longer say, Oh, I didn't know. Cause that was her reply. I didn't know. And I'm pretty sure you did because mm -hmm. like, I'm not going to like argue with you, but you literally just said, no, I'm not indigenous. There is like, there is no high. There is. Oh no. Why are you curious? Or, you know, like yeah. there was just straight away. I got the vibe. There was guilt. Yeah. And so, um, that was it. That was all that was done until I posted it on my personal Instagram page of what I was what I was dealing with yeah. and a non-indigenous person went to that company and said hey what's up started asking you know letting educating them on why this is wrong her response was did Valentina Fenton send you and that I didn't even know this conversation was going and the, the non-indigenous person said no this is on me yeah. Like I want to be an ally and an anti-racist. Yeah. So I have learned uh, to educate other people. Yep. So yeah, but that's how, that was her first thing was, oh, did Valentina Fenton send you? And I was like, I don't send people. Like I don't have a gang. My gang is my four children and my husband. That's my crew. Okay, so, can, we, can we pause that for a second? Actually, um, it's also a violation of your privacy because- like, why would they just name you? Like, that that's wrong. Um, you know, and, and so it was actually a violation of your privacy for them to even have named you to somebody else. Because, so for example, if I'm calling someone and they know I'm calling um, and I can't speak on behalf of someone. Yeah. Right? So like a lot of my advocacy, I have to be there with the person. Yeah. And um, even then, they're they're still hesitant to be like, you know, are you sure Michelle Robinson should be here to listen to this, et cetera, et cetera, right? So for them to have just named you is actually a huge violation of your privacy. And uh, so it was really wrong for them to have done that anyway, because if they sent out a mass email saying, you know, come find out about your tribe and I have a picture of me at the teepee, honestly, there should have been, if there was 200 emails that went out, there should have been 199 others people coming back at it. But for them to specifically name the one person out of the 200 emails is actually a violation of your privacy. Oh, well then. I'll have to look into that now. Yeah. So because, um, yeah, there's more to this story, but involves other people. So I was just like, that was just like my line. Like, I just want people to know, uh, like, what is culture appropriation? Yeah. Because a lot of people don't know. Yeah, so and actually, are those earrings? Yeah, I made them. <laughs> Jesse Wente's book talks about it too. Um, I really encourage people to listen to that book if they they're not readers, because like, mm -hmm. you know, we have to quit with this cultural appropriation. It's not okay because it's not enough. The land was stolen, that our culture was stolen, our language was stolen. Like, you can't steal our stuff too, right? So I really, I I really appreciate you taking a moment to give uh, light on that.
Yeah, so we'll go to unpause and then I'll explain uh, also why we should not culture appropriate. Oh, paused. Okay, we'll just make that work. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, um, so we, yeah, so I wanted to touch on that and then also the culture appropriation, why we should not uh, support non-Indigenous who are making Indigenous items is because I, I heard a podcast recently, I can't recall who it was, um, but they were saying it's just another way to steal from us. Yep. So now we're now because we have to build ourselves up economically from uh, the residential schools, um, the reservations where we have to make, you know, come up with new innovative ways to make money economically. Yep. Um, so when you're stealing our beadwork, or whatever to make money that's taking from our community to feed our families so it's another way that you're like okay. stealing from and starving from like starving us in a way right because how else do we some of these families really that is their income i watched that pretend indians documentary um and i they actually talked a little bit about that where people who have absolutely no jurisdiction, no, no one in their family who's even indigenous, you know, basically stealing our culture and becoming, you know, authors or getting grants and sometimes like stealing like uh, an art artist's work. So like it, it, it's just another form of oppression. And yeah. I know a lot of uh, non-indigenous artists are like, oh my God, it's so about the art but then they don't see that they're already benefiting from white supremacy and genocide of indigenous people. And now they're just perpetuating it in their, their way as well. So I'm, I'm glad. Yeah. About it. And then there's the fine line of if you don't want to culture appropriate, but you want to wear our, our wearers, which is uh, we honor that and we're so grateful, but also to do your research, there's a, a, uh, company on Instagram that I know and they have over 21,000 followers and so on September 30th uh, they walk a fine line of indigenous owned um, the pre the primary artist and builder of the earrings is Filipino her mom is Filipino and she builds the earrings now, the husband is from a community in BC. So that's, he builds, I don't know how many, but that's where they sit on that. They're like, Indigenous owned, my husband is Indigenous. He builds some of the earrings. I'm like, okay, but you're Filipino and you're the primary artist. Can we honestly, like, but I don't, I don't ask. I'm just like, some people ride that fine line. And so... What was interesting on September 30th, uh, another influencer with over a quarter million followers did a story saying, and on to like to honor September 30th, I'm wearing so-and-so's earrings, um, all indigenous company. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm not the only one who originally thought you're an indigenous company. Right, like now you have, I never bought a pair of earrings from her because I make my own, but you have, but I support, you know, indigenous companies. So yeah. I follow her, but you have obviously customers who think, who are led to believe that they're wearing indigenous made earrings, all indigenous is what they said. Yeah. And so she took the responsibility sort of uh, to story, to restory that with their bio, but that lasts what, 24 hours and then it's gone. And then so all these new customers and all the other don't realize that this company is walking a fine line on what is indigenous owned. Like eh, if you're the primary artist and the primary builder and your mom is a builder and you're not indigenous, are you in, yeah. an indigenous? Like, can you do that? <laughs> I don't I'm just like, it's too much. So, so if you're going to buy earrings to be like hundred percent safe, do your research and you'll know. Well, right? I like the importance of what Autumn and, and Malrin were talking about with authentically indigenous, like, you know, they vet who comes to their, to their um, art show for this reason, because there's so many, like there, there was a pro 
predominant white woman here who had married an indigenous man took his name and had created this whole story about her being indigenous when it turned out she was just like a white woman from the suburbs <laughs> in Toronto <laughs> greater forest or greater Toronto area and I'm like how dare you for decades you had stolen how much money from our people as a result of of you so I, I was you know like that was a really hard one because I had loved her I thought she was I thought she was Dene and she wasn't so yeah and yeah. that's the thing like Filipino I get mistaken for Filipino by other Filipinos so it's like so if you look at her profile she looks you know somewhat indigenous so you can't I thought she was indigenous yep and then it came out she wasn't so after that after I found that out on my Instagram and Facebook, I slap that authentic indigenous artist all the time because it's mine. My my people uh, survived a lot to have that, yeah. and I'm gonna I'm gonna honor it. You know, like it's not uh, it's not for everybody, and not everything is for everybody. When I see a friend who's not indigenous braiding sweetgrass, I'm gonna tell her, um, "No, you can't. That's sacred." I was like, "Sacred, sacred." Um, you would not go grab the host from the Pope. You cannot grab sweetgrass from the ground. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just to, like, level it out, right? Like, that that's sacred to the Catholics. This yeah. is sacred to us. Yeah. Um, you can use it if it's gifted, but you are not to take it from the ground and braid it, and you're not even braiding it properly. But anyway, I'm not going to tell you that. I'm not going to teach you anything. All I know is that uh, please stop it Yeah, because that's sacred and oh man like I don't know my language and you want to go braid sweetgrass like no I know I feel You're you not. I am so tired of placating for white people I really am like I have a lot and then they don't I have a lot of white it. friends yeah well I have lots of white family but I'm not going to go <laughs> teach them my native culture because one, I know uh, they laugh at it first and foremost, and they have that inherent white supremacist racism in them. So I'm not going to uh, waste my time uh, teaching them. But then no. the white people who want to steal our stuff, it's like, because yeah. you just haven't stolen enough, hey? You know, yeah. like, come on. There's no responsibility. There's no um, reparation. There's, you yeah. know, people are living in poverty because of imposed poverty so that they can all happily live here like it's gross and, mm -hmm. and and then they expect us to give them all these teachings and I'm like okay no, I don't tell me your role as a treaty partner and in reconciliation and maybe we can start having a sacred fire or something together right like can can we at least be honest about your role in colonization can let's start there right and then yeah. and then for them to colonize our art and colonize our culture like it's just gross so yeah anyway. and so I appreciate and you. So I think like with that, um, I also had uh, a, someone's call another person an ally and I let them know only an Indigenous person can name them as an ally. A non-Indigenous person does not have an opinion. Um, they said as a, you know, as a non-Indigenous person, I see them as an ally. And I said, no, well, I'm afraid as a non-Indigenous person, you do not have that say. Mm -hmm. Like it's our say to say who's an ally because we live the life of being uh, racially profiled. Yep. Uh, we can't even do have a skate park without it being next to the RCMP, things like that, right? Like we, that was our childhood. Um, so we, where we are, you know, where's anyway. Yeah. My point is uh, if you want to wear indigenous goods, support an actual indigenous artist, do your research. As anything Indigenous, uh, we appreciate you educating yourself. Um, and then, then you can wear them happily and freely. And why wouldn't you? Like, honestly, if, like, wouldn't, uh, if you want uh, a nice, beautiful beaded pair of earrings and, like, to honor our culture and to be an ally and be like, I support you, uh, just take it five more minutes and do their Google research and be like, ah, yeah, safe. You know, like, because we do have beautiful work. We do. Mm -hmm. it, it deserves being bought. It deserves to be honored. And 
And that's the wild part. Like we talk about economic reconciliation, but yeah. why are you co contacting someone like me to do your legwork? Cause your Google don't work anymore on, you know, orange shirts in Calgary. Come on people get with the program. So, yeah. I was recently at a market in Canmore where this uh, store had opened up every single day in September to honor indigenous artists where the indigenous artists takes everything right? Like that was their role in reconciliation. And so I went there and then when uh, she bought items off me and she looked at me, she goes, and when you do your tally, you add 25% because I was like, cause I undersell myself. She was like, you undersell yourself. And this is her, she has a very popular store in Canmore. And she said, that's what she said. And I was like, nice. So uh, I took that as like, she's obviously knows her business. And so I added uh, more onto my sales when you order from me on uh, Instagram. Nice. Because, you know, and that was, that's part of reconciliation. Hey Val, uh, now add another 25% yeah. because your work is beautiful. It should be honored. And that's the least you should be selling it at. So, I mean, come on, there are really good people out there and there are some that just are duped. <laughs> like, no, they're not indigenous, but I can't chase everybody down and be like, uh, they're not indigenous. Sorry. Right. Anyway, it's, it's been fun. We really enjoy all the support. We've been like, really, it always surprises me when someone wants to buy my stuff. I'm like, Oh, that's like, I, I still get so excited when I get an order or, Hey, can you make these earrings or, you know, I want this color, make it whatever you want. And I'm like, that's nice too. And they just give me my free will to make a design for them. I'm like, thanks. I appreciate that. Like you trust me as an artist that's great. and my culture. So that's wonderful. Cause I mean, uh, the price I sell Moggasins at, I also honor, they worked for that money. So I better do a good job, you know, like, and have them satisfied and happy with their product, which wow. has happened so far. So that's good. Well, thank, but we'll you be so here. Much. thank you so much for telling us all about you what you're doing your business and and what how you feel about cultural appropriation I really appreciate you coming on the show today oh I thank you for the invite that was so nice of you I was really excited I have friends who do podcasts and they're very excited for me oh good <laughs> yay yeah it's yay. a it's the worst thing having a podcast and having other people be like yeah you should do it and then vice versa if you go on another podcast let me know and I'll share it so that people oh that's nice yeah, yeah no I have yeah so I got like good advice from my manager she's volunteer um I don't I don't make enough to pay anyone manager fees yet but she asked in, uh to volunteer and I was like yeah absolutely so she gave me some like you know good guideline tips and um yeah we appreciate everybody that has supported Fenton Gals and supports Indigenous artists and supports our history and our, you know, our climb to connect and to heal from all of this. So my kids don't have to, like my grandkids might know more Cree than I do and just things like that. Yeah. It's really, uh, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming on here. Um, I want to encourage my listeners if you, uh, you still have time to come to Reservoir Rules by Clarence Louie on Monday. I know it's a long weekend, so uh, for some folks, they might not want to come. But for our book club, we've always loved long weekends and having book clubs. So we've never stopped doing it as a result of a long weekend. And especially now that I understand what Thanksgiving actually is. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was Definitely like, oh, yeah, we're going to do our thing. Yeah. yeah sure. <laughs> I, I have four kids and uh, my... I they don't really like turkey yeah they don't really like us so I'm like oh good it's, it literally is just like time together on that day we don't yeah. I don't make a, a, a fuss over it and it's just like it's just a day off to spend and hang out with each other that's good um yeah. November we have the National Inquiry chapter seven and eight and then December, we have Standoff by Bruce uh, McIver. So I encourage folks to come. Uh, the Reconciliation Action Group had their uh, a first initial September meeting, and we had some a good turnout, which was nice. So we put out a couple of uh, releases on the 30th, and I think we might put out one tomorrow. I'm not sure yet. Uh, we're going to see what happens with this UCP leadership race. What a nightmare. <laughs> Holy. <laughs> 
Well, it's so funny because all I do is troll Kenny. And then I get all I get some of the followers I have on my list. I'm like, uh, I'm like, really? You want to like I had a friend go to me, he goes, You're very uh, political on Twitter. And I was and I was looking at her like puzzled, like puzzled. And she's like smiling because I wear my emotions on my sleeve. So I look very puzzled, like, do I? And she's smiling and nodding her head. She's like, You're very political on Twitter. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, I just yeah, I just troll someone and yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're lucky he hasn't blocked you yet. They're, they're babies. They blocked me. Tried. <laughs> I know. I shouldn't say this, but I honestly tried. I was like, really? Like, I'd go and look and I'd be like, ah, when he went through his little blocking phase, I was like, dang it. Now I got to up my game because clearly I'm not getting under his skin. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I know. Oh, they're such goofballs. I, it's such a nightmare living in Alberta politics. I wish everybody got out to vote more because we have such a low voter turnout. Anyway, I'm not here to talk about that. Let's let's uh, finish off the podcast. And thanks again for coming on. Thanks for always uh, looking out for the little guy. Right on. <laughs> right on. <laughs> I'm proud right. that this podcast has given solutions and cultural safety or first, uh, cultural first aid in all of them to create a safer space for Indigenous people of color, those with disabilities, and LGBTQ2 plus to speak. Thank you, authors Cheryl Ward, Chelsea Branch, Alicia Fritkin of heretohelp.bc.ca. They have a whole section on what is Indigenous cultural safety and why I should care about it. Their work and those cultural action tools I've said over 100 times in my podcast, so please support Indigenous work like that as a part of your reconciliation work and settler understandings. I'm just lucky enough to highlight and repeat them here. Internalized ra racism or lateral violence is another form of violence indigenous and marginalized folks experienced by the structure of racism imposed on these lands. Go to racialequitytools.org and what is internalized racism by Donna Bevins. If you don't know what I mean and you'd like to learn some more and if you are in any capacity, queer, trans, uh, black, indigenous, any person of color, don't... Um, sidestep this step of what internalized racism is because the effort you're putting towards attacking people of color it should be put towards colonialism in general um do's and don'ts for bystander intervention by american friends service committee um afsc.org they have lots of resources on how to act um or uh, tools of on how to uh, uh, intervene when it comes to seeing racism in any capacity. Indigenous have been talking about our issues, sharing our traumas in reports, commissions, and public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor our words. Honor the treaties.